I want to jump right into the scriptures. Which book should we start in? <laughs> We're going to start at the other end of the Bible tonight. Let's go to the book of Revelation. When you find the first chapter, land on it. Hallelujah. Are you there? Somebody say Shabba in the house of God. In Revelation, we're going to begin in the first chapter in the ninth verse. By the way, this message this evening is called Majority Rules. In Revelation 1-9, I, John, your brother and companion. Come on, man. It's good to have brothers, isn't it? It's good to have companions, isn't it? I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. Was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. You know John. John had brothers and they suffered for the kingdom. They endured. Brotherhood is made inside of adversity. John. He was a companion of those who suffered for the kingdom and endured brotherhood and companionship. It's fair to say that John was in a team. Of course, he's writing the revelation from the prison island of Patmos where he was all alone. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Nobody likes to be alone, do you? This is not a Lone Ranger ministry, is it? We believe in teams, don't we? Look at Revelation 1 and 10. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. Oh, man. It's good to be in the Spirit, isn't it? I don't know what you're doing every other day, but today is the Lord's day. Do you want to get in the Holy Ghost? Oh, Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said... Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. John was in a team, but he was alone. We're supposed to work in teams. It's a huge advantage. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9 says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. To be a team... It's an advantage in every way. But that doesn't make you disadvantaged when you're all alone. Who was John with while he was on the Roman prison island of Patmos? Oh, come on now! He heard the voice of King Jesus behind him. Even when you're alone, saints, you are never alone. It's not possible for a spirit-filled Christian to be alone. The Holy Ghost indwells you. He ministers to you. He shows you what is to come. You can't get alone. It's an extraordinary advantage to have brothers present. But you are never disadvantaged to be alone because you are never really alone. Matthew 28 and verse 18 says something so similar. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Somebody say, go. Go. The kingdom's not about sitting. It's not about staying. What's the kingdom about? Go. Go and make 
disciples. What do we make? What do we make? How long can you be alone if you're making disciples? See, you and the Holy Ghost are there to make disciples. You may feel alone, but that's just hunger building for a disciple. Oh, come on now. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What's this next phrase, saints? And surely, and surely, somebody say surely, I am with you. How often? I am with you always. A spirit-filled Christian can't be alone. We work in teams of two or more making disciples, and it's a huge kingdom advantage. When by kingdom necessity, we are separated from our companions, our brothers, our teammates, we are never at a disadvantage. Jesus said, surely I am with you always. The man who is filled with the Holy Spirit cannot be disadvantaged in any situation. We prefer to be together. Come on, we prefer to be together. Guys, put your arm around your girl. We prefer to be together. But when we are apart, His presence makes up for all of the difference. This is what Philippians 4.13 means when it says, I can do everything through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Whether you have food or don't have food, whether you have a brother with you or don't have a brother with you, you can never be disadvantaged if you're in the will of God. Look, you could be sick and there's no doctor, but you're not at a disadvantage. You have the creator in you. You could have no suit on your way to an interview, but you're clothed with the radiance of God. You could be sitting here single with no spouse, but you are the bride of Christ. You could be on a worship team that suffers through no bass guitar. Oh, how can we enter the presence without a bass guitar? But if you're full of the Holy Ghost, then you got everything you need. You could be in a church that's got no sound system. Oh, pastor, we we just, our biggest need is a sound system. No, your biggest need is to get full of the Holy Ghost of God. Pastor, you don't understand. We don't have an indoor heated baptismal. Well, you're going to have to feel the fiery warmth of the Holy Ghost inside of you. The Spirit-filled Christian cannot be disadvantaged while walking in the spirit of a victorious king over all of the universe. Somebody say, victorious! Victorious! Let's get this math down straight. You are one, and the Holy Ghost is the second. You and the Holy Spirit are a majority in any situation. The man who is full of the Holy Spirit cannot be disadvantaged. Ephesians 1.3 says it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. What do you lack, church? You have every spiritual blessing. You can't be disadvantaged. All we have to do is grab hold of what is ours in Christ. Look, I'm going to be honest. I miss Pastor Matthew when he is in Indonesia. But he's in Indonesia advancing the kingdom. I am greatly advantaged by his presence here tonight. That does not mean that I am disadvantaged in any way 
when he is not here. The same spirits that's with him is with me. The same size of his Bible I've got sitting right here. I am capable of everything that God empowers me to do. We better grab hold of that church. I have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Say that with me. I have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, how could you say that and be disadvantaged in any situation? You don't understand, Pastor, my car's not running well. Well, I bet the Holy Ghost will show you another way to get there. You cannot be disadvantaged if you are in Christ. There is no such thing as a man who has the Holy Spirit and does not have enough. Second Peter 1.3 says exactly that. His divine power. His divine power. His divine power has given us everything we need. Now, is the scripture true or not? Say, well, that's everything we need for Sunday school class, Pastor. No, His divine power has given us everything we need for life. If you are full of the Holy Ghost, you have everything that you need for life. Not one of you in here is at a disadvantage because your mama or daddy did something. Not one of you in here is at a disadvantage because your boss at work is difficult. You can't be disadvantaged in Christ. Whatever you lack, the Holy Ghost more than makes up for. Whatever it is that you yearn for, He knows what you need and will provide it when you need it. You can't be at a disadvantage. Oh, come on, somebody, that's good news. You know, he said for life and for godliness. One of the reasons that we don't feel like we have everything we need is because we're not using everything we have for godliness. The vast majority of this church is pushing forward into holiness in every way. Some of you never have confidence because you don't walk in godliness long enough to know what is yours. Oh, tonight ought to be an encouragement to walk in the holiness of God until you feel His holiness empowering you in new ways so that your prayer life changes, so that your preaching life changes, so that everything about you is being transformed. Do you want the holiness of God? Oh, my goodness. It's my preference for us to be together. I've heard it said that meetings, meetings can be a little hard with so many of us out. The Spirit here tonight is here to assure us that if you're in the will of God, His divine power is giving you everything you need for life and godliness. Look, I prefer that we're all together. But I know exactly what it is like to stand in a new place with not one other person. And can I tell you, the Holy Spirit will stand right next to you and is more than enough. Church, we cannot feel disadvantaged because the car doesn't run or a few worship team members are out or we stretched out in so many areas, so many people are ministering in so many places, the home front is vacant. Well, now you know what you're supposed to be doing, don't you? It was always your job to make disciples. It has always been your job, you and the Holy Ghost, to go turn the world upside down for people to see a fire burning in you and run to see what lit that on fire. If you feel the absence of your friends, there's plenty of targets outside the building. 
First Samuel 23, 16 says, And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Yeah. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Nolan, you liked that, didn't you? I like that. It's an advantage to have Jonathan or a Nolan Hewitt help you find strength in God. Of course, if Jonathan is at the Brazoria County Jail that morning, or he's in Victoria, Texas that morning, or he happens to be in Matamoros, Mexico, doing the will of God, you cannot consider yourself disadvantaged because you're not alone. In fact, you and the Holy Spirit are the majority of influence on the atmosphere all around you. I heard a young worship leader not long ago say, oh, I know it was kind of difficult during worship. I think it was all of those new people. No, son. It's that you need to get full of the Holy Ghost. You're not very good at what you're doing yet. And it shows that you're blaming the people rather than lifting your game. Come on, son. you got to pick yourselves up and get in the Holy Ghost. If our circumstances determine the outcome, then faith is no longer determining the outcome. Church, this is important because we're ascending church. Maybe the Lord is utilizing... Your co-workers that are not sitting next to you to multiply the kingdom. Maybe he's using their absence to stir a hunger inside of you. You know, pastor, with so many out, the service just felt a little strained. Don't raise your hand, but be honest. You've thought that, haven't you? I've heard it, I don't know how many times over the last several weeks. With so many strong sheep going everywhere. Pastor, it was just kind of a hard service. One of the strongest sheep in our church said that to me Sunday night. I just kept eating. I needed my mouth full of food so that words didn't come out of it. Look, you don't just pop out a church like this one. It didn't just arrive here neatly packaged. Nobody was at LCM when we started it. The absence of your team members is there to make you grow Hungry to make more team members. Not to sit there and mourn them out doing the will of God and lament. Oh, there's fewer of us. Dear God, there were only 90. Well, I remember when there was not nine. And us and the Holy Ghost were more than enough. A majority in every situation. Get with me to Proverbs 16. Let's talk about building an appetite. Anybody want an appetite? Some of you already got an appetite. You want one for the Word of God? You want an appetite for holiness? You and the Holy Ghost is more than enough for any challenge you face. Proverbs 16, 26. The laborer's appetite works for him. Who does your hunger work for? It works for you. When you look around and you see, oh, I miss Ray. He's off ministering to somebody this morning. Well, where'd you find Ray? How did Ray get in here? When you look up and you go, oh my goodness, where's Tom and Martha today? They're praying for a sick baby in the hospital. What do you do with that? You remember how Tom and Martha got in here. Maybe the appetite works for the laborer. Maybe their hunger drives them on. What is your hunger driving you to do? I miss Rick and Susan when they were in Indonesia. But I remember where I met Rick. It was on a mission field doing the will of God. We were working hard, hanging doors, pouring concrete. Saints, what is your hunger driving you to do? You and the Holy Ghost are more than enough for any situation. 
You say, hey, pastor, you don't understand. We're outnumbered. We're surrounded. I say, amen. Now there's something for every single one of you to do. You've been asking me for years how you can help. Well, now you know. Your job is to get full of the Holy Ghost and to make disciples. Look, if there's fewer of us, and there's certainly going to be many times, you can pick any direction and fire in the Holy Ghost, you're bound to hit something. We don't live on natural solutions. We don't depend on favorable circumstances. We're LCM. We thrive in difficulty that demands divine presence for a victorious outcome. That's who we are. Sit back and say, well, it was more difficult. What? Did you want to stay Baptist? This is LCM. You need the Holy Ghost just to accomplish the mission. Deuteronomy 8.3 teaches us this from the very beginning. You shouldn't be surprised at making fun of the Baptist as an ex-Baptist. Uh, ex it is my right. They tortured me for 18 years. Now I'm a few years ahead in the bowl game. Deuteronomy 8.3. But someone listening won't like it. If they don't like that, they certainly won't like the rest of what I have to say. Deuteronomy 8.3. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. It's very possible that you will arrive here one day, and there is half of our present number. Please don't be surprised. It's not because we're doing something wrong. Our glory is in how many competent, qualified, Holy Ghost soldiers we can send into the fray knowing that all they know is how to win. That is our glory. Our glory has never been in how many we seat. Many, many times we've grown and then shrunk to half the number because we sent them out and grown again and shrunk to half the number and the whole process is exhausting. And you wonder every time, can we do it? Can we do it? Lord, with these worn out tools, can we bend down and can we do it again? And he says, yes, one more time, we'll do it again. We cannot be disappointed that our sons are around the world advancing the gospel. We can't be disappointed that there's more outside of this building than inside this building as a result of the Holy Ghost presence in this room. We have to celebrate it. What do we do when we feel the hunger of loss because our brothers aren't here? I mourned when Pastor Nick Slaughter left. It was difficult. I cried like a little girl, like, I mean, just lost it when Pastor Hutchinson left. I was so sick when Zeke left, I drove with him, then found an excuse a week later to find another reason to take Jacob Braun to him. What do we do? You let that hunger for companionship, that hunger for brotherhood drive you to go find the next one. You make another one. You raise up disciples. You don't look at what you don't have. You say, I am full of the Holy Ghost and I am up to the task. Look, all of you got here somehow. And I know it was not our marketing campaign because we don't have one. How will the next one get here if not through you? I'll tell you what you do. You consider that you've met the minimum threshold and it's time to make more brothers. Come on, when you look around and, and you hunger because, man, that whole section was full and now they're all in Victoria, Texas. 
You go, ah, we've hit the minimum threshold. I'm going out to get more. I heard about a Samsung refrigerator. I don't have one. I have a gifted refrigerator, 20 years old. But I heard about a Samsung refrigerator that you enter your grocery list that you put in it. And when your teenager sneaks down in the middle of the night and, and is drinking the last second to last gallon of milk, it actually emails you and says, buy more milk. Man, that's extraordinary. We need something like that in here. When you look around and said a strong Christian just left, you need a Holy Ghost email that says, go make another one. Look, if you happen to have even one dedicated, divinely inspired, daring brother with you, then you're advantaged in every way. But you are never at a disadvantage because duty has called you ahead of the rest of the team. That is not a disadvantage. Pastor, do you know that we had 50 people out last Sunday? Yes, but did you count that you had 90 there? That's 90 more than we started with. That's not a disadvantage. You're just being provoked to hunger. It's time to make more. Come on, Bill, it's time to make more, isn't it? How many of you plan on being in another country in the next five years? Look around. If all these people are gone tomorrow, what do you do? Well, you got to go make more. You can't sit on your laurels. I remember when Nick Garagina was a Church of Christ brat that stumbled into a Bible study and didn't know what was happening. Now he's one of the strongest among us. How did that happen? Because you and the Holy Ghost are a majority in the situation. We cannot sit back and mourn that people are going to do exactly what they're called to do or you will descend into the same kind of Christianity that has sickened the world around us. Selfishness. In fact, we're being provoked to hunger. It's time to make more. And there's plenty of work to go around. I don't even think we have to pass a sign-up sheet for this one. We expect you, Josiah, to make disciples. We expect you, Michael, to make disciples. Timo, you got to go make another angel somewhere. You and the Holy Ghost are more than enough. You say, well, we want to be trained. What do you think we've been doing, saints? We cannot sit back and feel disadvantaged. Have you ever considered what the church in Acts was actually like? Let's go to Acts 14. We're going to be in Acts for most of the rest of the message. Acts 14 and verse 21. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Oh, come on, something stirred them to hunger. They were hanging out at the church at Antioch and it was good. There were seven prophets in the church of Antioch. There was Paul and Barnabas in the same church in Antioch. They had the blessing of the church in Jerusalem in Antioch. But some kind of hunger caused them to go. Caused them to go make more of what they were. Church, the New Testament church is always focused outward. The moment that we sit and go, oh, but what happens if Mario and Alicia move? What do you mean what happens? Them and the Holy Ghost goes and makes more of what they are. Said, but what will we do without them? You'll make more of them. That is how our church has always existed. It's how it always will exist. And if it ever exists on the strength of any other principle, then you will find out there is no lampstand in it like so many others. 
We cannot fall into protectionism. We cannot sit back and play it safe. And I never want to hear again a strong Christian in this church say, Oh, pastor, it was very difficult because so many were out. What you're showing is that you're not as strong in the Holy Ghost as you should be. And I'm saying that to my loved friends. You have to hunger for heaven and heaven's manifestation on earth. And can I tell you, it doesn't depend on how many of you are sitting in the same row. Man, you get somebody filled with the same spirit Elijah had, you change nations. You find Elijah and Elisha on the same continent at the same time, we're bringing the kingdom of God to earth, my friend. Look, to have your buddy is an advantage. To not have your buddy is not a disadvantage. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Do you think that Lystra was upset when they were in Iconium? Or Iconium was upset when they were in Antioch? Do you think Antioch said, wait, wait, we are your home church? you got to take care of the home church. Or do you think they were happy the kingdom of God was being spread everywhere and never felt themselves at a disadvantage? Look at how they encouraged them. They strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, but we don't want to. It's easier with our friends. Less is required of each one of us. Many hands make light work. In the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. Every person is supposed to carry the load God designed them to. And every person in this room is called to be a disciple maker. You understand that? You and the Holy Ghost are more than enough. But I I have a learning disability. Well, then learn to pray in the Holy Ghost. Say, how dare you mock my infirmity? How dare you justify it? The Holy Ghost is enough for every human being in this room. And if you're not making disciples, it's because you're not full of the Holy Ghost, no matter how much you speak in other tongues. So what are we going to do, saints? We're going to hunger and make disciples because you're going to get full of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say Shabbat in this house. That's not all they did. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Get this. Constant outward activity, never protectionism, never a play it safe mentality. They won disciples everywhere they went, a large number of them. They strengthened the current church everywhere they went. How many of you have been to another one association church? Did you strengthen it while you were there? Everybody in this room has the same access to the Holy Ghost as all of the pastors who started the church and every other church. In fact, if you've been an elder for a while like Charlie and Joe, you remember when we were stupid kids. But you watched us get full of the Holy Ghost and change the world around us. So guess what? It's time. It's time for each of you who is empowered by the Spirit of God to put down the critical eye of what you don't have. And pick up God's eyes that says what you do have. Because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. 2 Kings 6.17, Elijah prayed for his servant. Open his eyes. Do you know what I'm praying for for you? 
that your eyes would open to what you have around you. I'm just going to tell you, dangerous on a recording. On any given day that half of us are somewhere else, the other half still puts you in a better position than most churches that I know of. You are never at a disadvantage. Have you acted that way? Have you thought that you lacked something that you needed to be a disciple maker, a church strengthener, and a leadership supporting strength? Because you don't. You don't. All you lack is the initiative to start somewhere. Look, that's why Pastor Matthew went to Indonesia. He went to go win disciples. He went to strengthen the existing church and to strengthen the leaders. That's also why Pastor Wade just went to India and Nepal. That's what I've been doing all year long. It's not that I enjoy not sleeping in my beautiful new bed. We've had 142 days in this year. And I have been gone far more than half of them. But the purpose was to win disciples. To strengthen churches. And to strengthen leaders. Do you know why we do what we do? Because we trust you to do what God called you to do. If you feel some lack, let that hunger drive you to make disciples. The truth is, is Denton, Victoria, Baton Rouge, Gainesville, Crystal Lake... Indonesia, Peru, all of these churches, they have less people in them than are right here, right now. And somehow or another, they manage to have a victorious service every week without thinking, oh, we had four families out. What are we going to do? See, that's not godly thinking. Godly thinking looks around at the families that are here and says, there's more than two of us. We can chase an army of 10,000. Church, you and the Holy Spirit are a majority. It is an advantage for me to be in a team. I long for it. I look for it. My whole life I've spent submitting to the whole concept of a team. But I am never disadvantaged when I'm called ahead to win disciples, strengthen churches, and strengthen leaders. You are advantaged when every brother called to LCM is here. But you are never disadvantaged if one or two or 20 or 50 are missing. Look, 10 can go to Denton. 20 can go to Peru. 15 can go to Victoria. The Holy Ghost and the remaining 90 are a majority. Man, am I getting that point across? Will you promise me that you are never going to greet me with a greeting that says, Pastor, it was difficult. So many people were out. Because my answer is grow up. Grow up in the faith. Grow up in holiness. Grow up in the spiritual blessings that are yours. Grab hold of the divine presence and do something about it. Church, God put you here because you are the church. It is what you make it. And if JJ being gone or Abimbola being gone or Justin Linton being gone is difficult, it's to make you hungry to do whatever you think should be done. If you look up and Andrew's not there, then you have to ask yourself, What does God now want of me because my brothers are not here to do it? You also have to ask yourself, who's going to go make the next Andrew or JJ or Abimbola or Justin Linton? See, when I look out, I see men like Assad. I I see men like Keith. I look out and I see Chris. I can't help but look and see men like Carlos. And I go, he's never stopped doing it. 
The Lord keeps bringing extraordinary people into this room. He keeps filling them with the Holy Ghost. Look, don't let me hurt your feelings. I do that all of the time. But if an engineer can get filled with the Holy Ghost and become radical, anybody can do it. I mean, you get out your slide ruler and you try to measure and you're going to find out the Holy Ghost in you are a majority. It's always been this way in healthy and maturing churches. Let's go to Acts 17. We're going to work through Acts for just a little while. Acts 17 verse 13. When the Jews in Thessalonica, or like the Turks say it, Thessaloniki, learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast. But Silas and Timothy cried because they were alone in Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Look, friends, they were having a great time in Berea. Why not just stay there? The Bereans have a noble character. Yeah, but the whole world needs the gospel. So God used circumstances to move them on. Silas and Timothy were not disadvantaged. They had each other. Paul was not disadvantaged. He was full of the Holy Ghost and capable of making more disciples and co-workers. You're going to see that in every city that he goes to, he's often alone, but he never stays that way. He's a disciple maker. He's full of the Holy Ghost. He and Jesus were more than enough for whatever problem they were facing. You know what else they had the comfort of? Something we've just experienced here today. They knew that they would see each other again. They were covenant partners. They were not Facebook friends. See, they knew when they parted, it was not so long goodbye. It was until next time. They knew that when Matthew went to Indonesia and Wade went to Nepal and Eric was in the remnant church. They knew that there would be a day when God would bring us back together and we would be mutually encouraged by all that we heard. I know that when Nolan goes to Victoria, he's coming back. You know why? This is his home. I know that when Bim and Justin go into the prison, that they're coming back. You know why? This is their home. But it is our joy to send people. It is our joy to raise up co-workers. Anywhere you are and there is a lack of people that you think should be there, it's your job to make disciples. And you and the Holy Ghost are more than enough. Go to Acts 18 and verse 1. After this, after the previous incident, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. By the way, when he went to Athens, what did he do? He preached the gospel. Who was with him? It doesn't matter. All that's listed is him. Luke might have been following him around, but even in the Areopagus, surrounded by the intellect of Greek, Greece, he was more than sufficient because he that was in him was more powerful than that which was in the world. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila and a native of Pontus. Come on, Turkey team. A native of where? Pontus. This is the region our turkey team feels called to. And I'll cry when they leave, but I won't feel disadvantaged. Not even a little bit. You know why? We can make more. 
After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife, Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them. And because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Now, get this. Paul finds Aquila and Priscilla, and he turns them into co-workers. They could have felt disadvantaged because Claudius threw all the Jews out of Rome. But they weren't disadvantaged. It was simply an opportunity to meet the Apostle Paul. So many times our obstacles are really just opportunities, aren't they? The man filled with the Holy Ghost will see an opportunity where the lowly earth thinker will only see an obstacle. Which are you? We want to be full of the Holy Ghost so we see opportunity. And how about Paul? Every time he ends up somewhere with his buddies, they stay and he goes or they go and he stays. Poor Paul. He felt himself so disadvantaged. Wrong. Because he knew wherever he was, he would make more. They shared an occupation. They shared a preoccupation. They were in occupation tent makers. Their preoccupation was getting people filled with the Holy Ghost. Tent makers. Come on now. They could make more of themselves. Look, the world could use a few more of you. I love you guys. This is my favorite church. The good news is you can make more just like you. Do you know how we know that for sure? That's exactly how you got here. When you walked through these doors like so many others, you were sure that you had it all figured out and then you bumped into an actual standard of God and had to rethink everything. And at first you were angry. Then you sat for a while and thought, there's so many better ways they could do that. You know, those poor guys, they just don't quite get... If they changed a few things, they could be so much more popular. And then you realize, that's not our goal at all. Our goal is the total transformation of the human being. And you fell in love with that. And you've been being transformed by the life-changing power of the gospel. So you'll go invite your friends. You'll go invite people. And, and don't be disappointed when you can invite 10 and they walk in and they don't want this. A miner is not disappointed when he takes out 10 rocks to find one diamond. You will come across the disciple that God has for you. But if you get discouraged along the way and feel yourself disadvantaged, you need to get full of the Holy Ghost. Look, saints, we don't need to prepare people before they come in here for what they're about to experience. How about you just let them get the full-blown experience? You don't have to lean over and make sure they're understanding. I promise we've been communicating the gospel a long time. Make sure that fear is not putting you at a disadvantage. Do you know what your friends who come in here need? The same thing you needed. To get full of the Holy Ghost. Well, I just don't know if they're ready for that. Good thing it's not up to you. Bring them into the sanctuary of God. And let them taste of what you've been tasting of. They might surprise you. Better than that, God might surprise you. Yeah? Acts 19 and verse 1. It was so good that Paul met Priscilla and Aquila. Or Aquila and Priscilla, wasn't it? I mean, the co-workers... Man, how that must have felt. Acts 19, verse 1. 
While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. Have you noticed that every time Paul makes disciples and co-workers, he has to go somewhere else? And the very few times he stays somewhere, his disciples or co-workers, they have to go somewhere else? That's because the New Testament church looks like that. It is always leapfrogging around the world, everybody aiming outward. Nobody in the spiritual safety deposit box for safekeeping. Always, in every chapter, and at the end of every letter, you will see a list of people greeting others from another church where they have traveled and been a part of each other's lives. That is what we're building. That's what this looks like. And we're not disadvantaged for doing... Man, if we hadn't given all that money to missions... Are you kidding? Saints, never let the sacrifice of the kingdom feel like a disadvantage to you. The sacrifice of the kingdom is for the joy set before us. Look, I am sad if a third of you leave because you're in sin. But if two-thirds of you leave because you're going to do God's will, you're going to see me get a giddy, happy dance that, well, it won't be like David's because my wife would scold me. But in Acts 19, in verse 1, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some. And he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Look, Apollos and Paul were on the same team, but they had different tasks. They didn't stop being team members because they separated. They were waiting for the chance to rejoin. And you can hear that in other letters. Paul being alone in Ephesus, he finds disciples. In Acts 19, verse 2, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? How important is that question? That's everything. Are you full of the Holy Ghost? Are you sure you're full of the Holy Ghost? If you're full of the Holy Ghost, has it resulted in holy behavior? Has it resulted in the multiplication of holy people? If you're full of the Holy Ghost, the question is how full? Can you be one quarter full and be full? Can you be half full and be full? How full do you have to be to be full? Oh, saints. I want to be overflowing in the Holy Ghost, don't you? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, The Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul went from being alone to having a ministry the size of Jesus after three years. 12 men. 12 men baptized in Jesus' name. 12 men filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. Do you know what Paul plus those 12 men did? They turned Ephesus Upside down. See, Paul didn't see himself as disadvantaged. He saw an opportunity, a hunger growing to make more of what he was. Are you getting hungry yet, church? Wow. Two, three of you are hungry. If you can't speak up in the church, then what are you going to do out there? 
You got to be full enough of the Holy Ghost to find some confidence, to step out and try, to be willing to risk the mistake in order to make something. Because those that don't make mistakes don't make anything. And it's true from a padded seat, you can sit back and criticize a mistake that I make. But you know what? Mistakes aren't all I make. Church, you are the hope of this area. You are the hope of your relatives. You are the hope of your co-workers. you got to get full enough of the Spirit to care about what the Spirit cares about. And I promise He doesn't want you to just slide through a Wednesday service. Let's go to Acts 19 and verse 8. All right, everybody in the room, are you in Acts 19, 8? Amen, that sounds more like it. Paul entered the synagogue and he spoke timidly like a little frail rabbit. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly. There for three months. You're bold for three minutes. Paul was bold for three months. Three months in hostile territory. Three months with only 12 disciples. You know why? He planned on making more. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him, and he had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two hours. Two years! So that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the providence of Asia heard the word of the Lord. What? In two years and three months, all the Jews in the current section of Turkey, 80 million people today, all of them heard the word of the Lord? That's a man who is full enough of the Holy Ghost to believe his life makes a difference. He is thrilled to be in a team. He's happy to work with another. But him and Jesus are enough. He always looked to rejoin his team members. He said, have Silas and Timothy join me as soon as possible. But when he was left in a smaller group, he wasn't disadvantaged. He saw an opportunity. Come on, saints. Are you picking up something here? Three months... In a synagogue, two years in the lecture hall. Uh, Why didn't we stay and fight for the synagogue? I feel so disadvantaged now that I'm in this rented building. God used each of these events to make sure that the whole Roman provenance of Asia was hearing the word of God. It literally says, all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the provenance of Asia. Do you understand what a big statement that is before an email? before a Twitter, before whatever else people are using these days. That isn't, you know, say, well, pastor, to be honest, I think it's hyperbole. Still, hyperbole means a majority. Okay? That is extraordinary. Do we really believe that we're as full of the Holy Spirit as Paul? Do you really believe that you have as much hope to impact the world around you as these men? Or would you just like to sit back and read about them and excuse ourselves of responsibility? No, No, amen. Somebody spoke up. Now, I'm not going to beat 99 for a 1% of the room. The truth is, though, that there is 1% of the room. So you figure that out right now. 
If you don't believe I'm talking to you, then good. This might be the only time I'm not talking to you. There's 1% of the room that can never think about making a disciple because you can't even control your own body hour to hour. Okay? If you can't get holy, you won't be able to do anything else. If a man won't rule over his own sin, he can't reach to lead his family. He can't reach to lead the world. I'm to the other 99% that are trying with all of their heart to be holy. That 1%, you're lucky that we allow you among us. It's because we believe that the power of the Holy Ghost will change you if we let you hang out in this crowd long enough. Do you want to be in the 99%? Are you dedicated to getting full of holiness? Then we can expect the world around us to change. Does Paul sound like in this passage a man who is disadvantaged by the small number of people that were with him? Him and 12 brand new, filled with the Holy Ghost people, reached the providence of Asia. Paul understood that he and the Holy Ghost were a majority in any situation. You and the Holy Ghost are a majority in any situation. When we're lonely, when we're missing someone, when it's difficult without your friends, it's the Holy Ghost telling you, go make some disciples. Do you honestly believe that it's easy for Jennifer and I, living in 300 square feet on wheels, More than half of this year. It's an opportunity. It's it's an opportunity to win disciples. To strengthen churches. And to strengthen leaders. We are not disadvantaged. We're simply finding new ways to advance the gospel. We're finding out how connected the churches actually are. We're finding out what the Lord is building here to reach the entire world. Do you want to be a part of it? Uh, Acts 19.11. Are you ready for some good stuff? God did underwhelming miracles through Paul. What does it mean when you have to modify the word miracle to make it better? God did ordinary miracles. I don't know why I picked Eeyore's voice for that. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Now, we know in this church that we work in teams of two and that Jesus sent them out in teams of two. And I'm sure Paul wanted to be in a team of two. However, the war demanded that he and his team separate for a little bit. And that did not keep extraordinary miracles from happening. Do you know why? He was making disciples. Pastor, why don't we see more miracles? For what? Which disciples would be learning from them and advancing the kingdom because of it? You want extraordinary miracles? Take on an extraordinary task. Go get 12 people filled with the Holy Ghost and then take on a nation and see what happens. Uh, Who in this room has been out of the country with just me in a truck? So I, I'm not, not a 30-person thing, ridden with me in a truck out of the country. I would venture to say that there's not a hand raised here that has not seen miracles in that setting. You know why? Because you put yourself in a position where you're making disciples and you have no choice, and miracles happen. People don't pull triggers. We see uh, blind eyes open. We see people get out of wheelchairs. You know why? 
Because you teach them you're not disadvantaged that you can't get to a hospital. There is a God who cares about you. And get this, He's with us right now. See, that attitude, and it's more than attitude, it is a kingdom reality, will produce forward movement in the kingdom. Sitting around going, well, there's only four of us on this trip. If there were ten, maybe we could do something. Yeah, that's not godly. So we're just not going to do it. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Look, when you get serious about making disciples, the Lord will seriously show off. You have everything you need. Say, I I have everything I need. It's because you and the Holy Spirit are a majority. It is an advantage to be with your team. It is not a disadvantage to rely on the Holy Ghost's majority to rule the atmosphere. When I say Holy Ghost majority, I don't just mean that you and the Holy Ghost are the majority in the room. I mean you are the majority of influence in the room. You don't like the atmosphere in a worship service, it's up to you to change it. You don't think preaching is going well in a service, it's up to you to change it. You don't like the atmosphere in your neighbor's home, it's up to you to change it. When you walk in and you're full of the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ just walked in the room. There was no situation ever that he was in that he was not in control of the atmosphere. To sit back and blame the crowd for the atmosphere is to deny our personal responsibility to be the agent of change in the world. So, well, it was more difficult. Well, that's why he didn't ask the Lutherans to do it. He asked you to do it. Verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva. Now, Paul was there alone. And he raised up twelve disciples. Whoever Sceva is, he had seven sons. A Jewish chief priest were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Seven sons without the power of the Holy Ghost and a real relationship with Jesus got a demonic beatdown. One son of God named Paul who was filled with the Holy Ghost was personally known even by the enemy. This is because Paul and the Holy Ghost were the majority, and the majority ruled the spiritual atmosphere in the entire provenance. Did you get, I know about Paul? See, you are dangerous to the enemy if you understand that you are never at disadvantage. If you don't look up and go, there's seven of them, what am I going to do? If it occurs to you, me and the Holy Ghost are more than a match for seven of them, then you have no problem. I watched a witch doctor in Africa in front of our kids succumb to the power of the Holy Ghost. And our children were casting out demons in Mozambique. And the worst of the worst came the next day and worked with us all day in his right mind. And friends, he had been a child-molesting pervert before that. You and the Holy Ghost 
are the majority influence on the atmosphere all around you. Now get this. You're responsible for it. You're even more responsible for it now. You don't like the way a conversation is going? Change it. You don't like the way a meeting is going? Change it. You don't like what is happening? Stand up and do something about it. So I just didn't know we could. Well, I'm telling you, you can now. The man filled with the Holy Ghost has his mind on the things the Holy Ghost has his mind on. You know what happens next? The fear and honor of the Lord spread throughout the whole community. They have a book burning in Ephesus that is worth so many days wages. But the 20th verse is shocking. Are you ready for it? In this way, the Lord, the word of the Lord spread wildly and grew in power. The word of the Lord gone wild, y'all. The word of the Lord spread wildly. And what did it do? What's that next phrase? How does the word of God grow in power? It's powerful every day. How does it grow? Well, the word of God is always powerful. But when you understand that you and the Holy Spirit are the majority that rules the spiritual atmosphere, it grows in power inside of you. See, we're not just sitting back saying, well, I I believe it's true. We're acting exactly like it's true. We're taking on the powers of darkness and advancing God's agenda. And the word of God is exerting more power on the earth than when you were sitting on your salvation. Oh, saints, do you realize what is given to you? How many of you work somewhere? Raise your hand if you work somewhere. That workplace belongs to you. I know your name's not on the building. I understand that what's happening is they're writing a paycheck for you. They may be giving a paycheck to you, but you don't get your employment from them. You get it from God. You get a paycheck from them, but you work for the King of Kings. That means that you ought to be the most influential thing in your workplace. Not the most badgering preacher. Not the brightest light in their eyes, but you ought to be influential simply by your presence there. Start with a work ethic. Then add to your work ethic righteous deeds. Add to those righteous deeds righteous words. And watch and see if like moths to a flame, people are not drawn to you to find out why you're different. The man with the Holy Spirit, the man who is full of the Holy Spirit, is the majority of influence in any situation That he is in. The Lord's word spread wildly. Are you hungry for more? Good. Are you really hungry for more? Making disciples is the key to this treasure. When you make disciples, you get to send co-workers. You get to strengthen leaders. And the majority rule will yield extraordinary miracles through you. We have to get extraordinarily invested in what God is doing for him to get extraordinarily extravagant about what he wants to do through us. See, if we have a partial kind of commitment, if the truth is you come for social obligation, you listen and don't apply, you're pretty committed to live with a bad attitude, if that's where you're at, then of course you're never going to see these things. But if you have a reckless abandonment 
of everything that has defined your life before this ministry, and you will grab hold of all that God is teaching through this ministry, there's not a person in here that cannot shake an entire city for the kingdom. I know that's true. I know it's true biblically, and I know it's true experientially. There are some pretty special people in here, but what what could be missed by saying that is there's no one in here that is not special if you choose to be. You just have got to rise to the challenge that is before you. I'm here to tell you as a pastor for a long time, there's nobody in the room that's not capable of doing it. There may be some that will not do it, but it's not because you're not capable. You have to decide that the way you're living now is simply not enough. He said, but pastor, we're doing pretty good now. I know. I tell myself every day, what you're doing right now is not enough. Do you know why? The kingdom has to grow forward. It has to move forward. I'm not talking about living in a state of dissatisfaction. I'm talking about living in an insatiable hunger for more of God. Desperate for the Lord. I heard that was a word here recently. Desperate for the Lord. Let's go to Acts 19.21 as we wrap this up. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia, while he stayed in the providence of Asia a little longer. At some point during the years of the Tyrannus Hall, Timothy and Erastus come and join him. That must have felt great. Of course, now he's staying and sending them to Macedonia. You see, the kingdom is always this way. You go and explore an area. You start to make disciples. You call to your covenant partners. Help! Help! We're supposed to do this in pairs of two. We want to govern in three. And then as it begins to grow again and things are working, somebody goes, I feel it. I feel it. Do you all confirm it? Yes, yes, we confirm it. I have to go to Macedonia. We will meet you there in the about two years. But I'll be alone. No, you're never alone in the kingdom. Amen. Never alone in the kingdom. Always sending. Say say this with me. Always sending. Always going. Always growing. That's a majority rule. See, the power of the Holy Ghost in you will give you the courage to send away your best. Will give you the courage to go where you're called to go. The Holy Ghost in you will always be growing in His influence in your life and His influence in the lives around you. This is a majoritive rule. He ought to be the majoritive force in your life. Acts 19.23 About that time there arose a great disturbance about the way. You get the impression that as Paul ratchets it up, so does the enemy. You're actually in a spiritual war, at least most of you. Some of you are laying down for it and getting Satan'd right in the face. Paul didn't do that, though. He fought. He fought with all the powers of the hell. Verse 24. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in no little business for the craftsmen. He called them together along with the workmen in related trades and said, Men, you know we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray, look at it, large numbers of people. He showed up all alone. And now there's large numbers of people here in Ephesus and get it, get it in practically the whole provenance of Asia. What the word of God said a few verses earlier was that everybody in the provenance of Asia heard. And now an enemy of the gospel 
is confirming it through his own mouth. Look, the Lord will drag your adversaries before you and the words out of their mouth while attacking you are actually a confirmation that God has called you. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. Verse 27 is an important one because Demetrius gets this right. There is danger. Danger, Will Robinson. He gets it. There is danger. This guy and the Holy Ghost are a danger to our way of life. They are a danger to the gods that we preach. They are dangerous to us. Oh, saints, we are dangerous to the enemy. But it will require you occasionally to put down the Netflix. It will definitely require you to pick up your Bible. You will have to begin to believe that you can do what the Bible says that you can do. And not just believe it, step out and try it. And as you do that, disciples will be made. People will look and go, hey, you, something's going on in your life, man. And I want to know more about that. And you won't just drag them to church like you found a lost puppy. You will pull them into your life that is really life. And they will learn what you have learned from you. And then when we come together, not only will they not feel disadvantaged, It'll be an advantage in every way because they've joined more like them. They won't count the people that are not here. They'll be glad to be in our number. Do you want to be dangerous to the enemy? Yes. Look, at we can do that. You know, have you ever seen a bully walk into the room and he's just trying to intimidate everybody? Have you ever been that bully? Don't lie. Have you ever been that bully? Yeah, I was that guy. I was that guy. Um... I remember the day Jesus changed my nature. And it was really bizarre because I misunderstood and I thought you were supposed to be a weak, mealy-mouthed uh, pacifist, you know, that uh, wore his wife's dress. And uh, I want you to know I love Jesus enough I was more than willing to do that. And the more that I came in touch with the power of the Holy Ghost, I realized that's not it at all. We're not a bully that works through intimidation We are simply that confident in our king and the kingdom that is coming on the world. It's not intimidation. It's that you refuse to be intimidated by what what is the majoritive number around us, but not the majority influence around us. Does that make sense to you? Timothy and Erastus leave. Paul's friends are gone again. A great disturbance breaks out about the way it always happens when you're alone. Ephesus And practically the whole provenance of Asia are being shaken for Christ. And an enemy of the gospel says there is danger in what this man is doing. He literally goes so far as he's going to rob Artemis of her divine majesty. One man. But Demetrius is right. There is danger. Danger for Satan and his minions because Paul practiced the majority rule. He didn't have Timothy. He didn't have Erastus. Those two guys had each other, praise God. But Paul knew that he had the Holy Ghost, and that was more than enough. Paul wanted to appear in the middle of the riot that occurs after this. Like there's an actual riot going on, and he is trying to get into the building. And do you know who stopped him? The 12 disciples that loved him. Look, he was never really alone. And he's not intimidated by it at all. He went, but they loved him so much they couldn't bear to lose him. So he was kept by his disciples from going back into there. 
You know, you, you never know what it will do for you to make some disciples. You, know, you never know what it will do for you to have somebody to teach what you are being taught. You don't know what it will do. I can tell you in my own life, my whole relationship with the Lord has grown because all I want to do is be a good pastor to you. And some of you are, are pretty fine Christians. So to be able to teach you anything, I really have to stay on my game. I have grown as a man, a man of God, and a pastor as this congregation's hunger and height spiritually has grown. If you listen to the messages 15, 16, 17 years ago, they're not like they are today because I wasn't like I am today. I had to grow up into the faith. And you know what I'm begging you to do? The same. Grow up into the faith. No more excuses about atmosphere in here. No more excuses about atmosphere anywhere you go. You and the Holy Ghost are a majority. Acts 21. Acts 21 and verse 10. I'm an hour and eight minutes into a message I said would be an hour. So we, we are going to hurry. <laughs> Thank you, a good disciple. Spence, can you see me through all that hair? Is it all right if I take a couple more minutes? We're good? All right, Paul, it's okay? Okay. Acts 21, 10. Acts 21, 10. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says... In this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, the we here is Paul's entire team. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up. And said, the Lord's will be done. As a man of God, you are not disadvantaged in any situation. This prophet said, your hands are going to be bound. You're going to be imprisoned. You're going to be mistreated. Paul did not see imprisonment and hardship as an obstacle. He saw it as an opportunity. He and the Holy Ghost were enough that didn't intimidate him at all. Perhaps because in Acts 16, he had already experienced it. And you know what? The Macedonian and his whole family got saved. The gospel broke out in all of... Anywhere you put him, he was never at a disadvantage. Oh, come on. If you don't get anything from what I'm telling you tonight, and you better be getting something because I'm working at it. You are never at a disadvantage. If you allow the devil to cause you to believe that without some item... Without someone, without something, you're at a disadvantage. Trust me, you will work from that disadvantage your entire life. He loves to make a victim out of you. You need to stand up in your faith and say, I have no disadvantage. LCM is a biblical church. We have a healthy outward focus. We are not easily dissuaded. (laughs) That's to put that mildly. I believe in team ministry. I want everybody in here to work in a team. I want you to be sad when you have to separate from your team. But I never want you to feel disadvantaged because you don't have Peyton with you at work when your boss asks you a question. 
In fact, in some cases, those brothers become crutches. They become crutches in the presence of the brother is actually a disadvantage because you don't learn what you and the Holy Ghost in you are capable of. I'm going to tell you the truth. I knew that this would be a difficult year. I knew that with pastors traveling all over the globe and Jennifer and I gone a lot, I knew that this would be difficult. I want you to know that I knew that the Holy Spirit in you was a majority. I knew that any person that walked in this room would feel what I feel. I'm not at all worried about our influence on people that come in here. I've watched people walk in from other countries that have never been in a church and fall on their face and say God was here. I worry about your response like mine on that day. The day that happened, I was surprised. I was like, really? I hadn't noticed. I'm being completely honest. We forget what we have. And if you don't see it as precious, nobody else will. And if you don't see it as so precious that it's everything, then nobody else will be willing to give their life for it. I'm encouraging you. I'm encouraging you to stand up into the filling of the Holy Ghost. To never see yourself at a disadvantage. To grab hold of the attitude that says, I am the majority of influence in the room because the Holy Ghost is in me. And the only time that's not true is when we're speaking collectively about all of us because the Holy Ghost is in us. But if you're in a room with a hundred lost people, you are the apex predator. You have no reason to feel disadvantaged because a third of us are ministering somewhere else. Is my last section right here. Peyton, would you make your way up here? 2 Timothy 1.15. I want you to meditate on this for a second. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygeus and Hermonides. Can you imagine that? The whole province of Asia heard the word of God through Paul, and he was deserted by everyone in the providence. He's writing this to Timothy who had been there with him and knew the people. And he turned the city upside down anyway. Are you getting that? Second Timothy 4.16 At my first defense, no one came to my support. Say no one. But everyone deserted me. Everyone. No one came to help him. Everyone deserted him. What he did in that courtroom? He turned the tables on the judge and put him on trial. The judge actually stops the court because he's scared. Paul was talking about judgment. Paul was never at a disadvantage in any situation. He and the Holy Ghost were enough. And like, I just don't know. I need somebody to help us with our marriage. You very well may benefit from somebody helping you. But I want you to understand if you listen to the Spirit... You don't need anything else. I need somebody to help me understand the word. You very well may benefit from it. It is a blessing to have a brother. But you are not disadvantaged if you have the Holy Spirit. We're not relying 
on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit enough. We're not believing what is capable with the Holy Spirit in us enough. We are never going to stop being ascending church. Every other passage I had for you that I'm not going to read is about the encouragement that happens when a brother goes from one church to another. Paul says sometimes things like, oh, when Timothy gets here, or when Timothy got here, I was so glad to hear about your faith. He was worried beforehand. Other times he sends disciples and says, they will remind you of what is yours in Christ. We are LCM. We scratched this church right out of the earth. We were told constantly it couldn't be done. Every satanic obstacle that could come did, and we're here. It's not dependent on Wade Sutherland. It's not dependent on Matthew Pirro. It is certainly not dependent on Eric Stevens. It is dependent on every person here believing that you and the Holy Ghost are a majority. There could be a day when each one of us is in some other place in the world or not in the world at all. And what God began here will continue as what you make it. It is very, very much up to you. Very much. We've left some vacancies for you. You don't have to ask what to do. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Win disciples. Strengthen your brothers. Support and strengthen the leaders. That's everybody's job in here. Well, what can I sign up for? You don't need a sign-up list for this. There's nobody that's exempt from that except the man that is not yet mastering his sin on an hourly basis. You, you sit at home and work it out. But if you're walking in holiness, we want you, we need you. You have no idea how the pastors might need a word from you. Let's drop all of the false Christian humility and stand up into what we are. Do you want to stand up in the Holy Ghost? Stand up in the Holy Ghost. If you got a holiness problem, I don't want to spend any more time talking to you about it. The truth is, if you've been here any length of time, you already have all of the answers. You lack a love and lack a desire for Jesus Christ. If you do not have a holiness problem, but you're stirred in this message and you're thinking, there is more for me. I haven't lived as the majority of influence in the world around me. Now is the time to call out to heaven for the fullness of His Spirit. But there's a catch. If you believe you're going to receive something, then it will be incumbent upon you, or you will be responsible for doing something. If you receive a talent tonight, if you receive a mina tonight, the Master will want a return on that. So if you're going to ask Him, it has to be matched with a commitment to do something with it. We're going to begin to pray. We're going to begin to worship. you got a holiness problem? You take care of that. Pastors, we're, we're not talking to people tonight about your inability to control your own flesh. We're talking to those of you that want something heavenly inside of you. If you want that, I'm here as living proof and you're surrounded by brothers. Living proof that God will give you as much 
as you want and you can handle. And when you think that you've had all you can have, there's more. Father, we give you this time now. Lord, we say that we want to change the world around us. We want to be the majority of influence in the room. Lord, we need to learn to rely on You more. Lord, we need to be more full of Your presence. Lord, we have to eradicate sin and make room for You. Jesus, will You rush into this room? Look at Your hungry saints. Lord, look at Your sons, Your brothers. They are crying out to You. We're asking here, meet us now. Let heaven touch us right here. There's another end.